0: training coverage presented by Kona Big Wave. Live from Salt River Fields at Talking Stick. Burns and Gambo on Arizona Sports 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app. Alright, we're back. Game just wrapped up out here at Salt River Fields. Diamondbacks fall to the Texas Rangers and the Cactus League. Are, uh, we'll be out here a few times during the spring training and joining us right now on here on the Burns and Gambo show. We want to welcome him to our show. Welcome him to the Arizona Diamondbacks, even though he's been here for a few months already. A. Eugenio Suarez. We're going to call you Gino because we know Gino. everybody calls you Gino. Yeah. Gino Suarez joining us here. Diamondbacks third basement on the Burns and Gambo show. Welcome to town, welcome to the team, and welcome to the Burns and Gambo show. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Good vibes only, right? Good vibes only. Good vibes
1: only. Uh, Let's talk about it. Uh, When you found out that you were traded from Seattle, you were very popular there. You were a clubhouse leader. The fans loved you. You've been traded before. The Reds traded you to Seattle. When you found out you were
2: traded here, what were your first thoughts? I mean, at the time, I was on vacation down in Mexico with my family. I was for the... Uh, Thanksgiving. So I was I wasn't in in the pool at the moment when I got the call from uh, uh, Jerry Depoto, Jerry Depoto from Seattle Mariners, and my first thought was, okay, something gonna happen right now. Uh, Let me ask this call then. Yeah, obviously that that was that. The, the, so you're in Mexico, tray. you're yeah. enjoying the pool yeah. with your family, <laughs> yeah.
1: and the phone rings, and yeah. it's the GM of the. You know, okay, something's up here. Yeah,
2: something happened gonna uh, something gonna happen right now. Let me ask this call. That's what I told my wife, and um, yeah, I, I knew it right away. You know, the, um, when you got that call uh, back in the all season, because something happened. I got, I got. Two, that was my second one, you know. Right. The, the, the first one was when, when I got traded from Detroit to, to Cincinnati, so Cincinnati back in 2014. Um, I knew it right away, and my first thought was uh, tell my wife, like, okay, I think I, think I got traded. So I just want to know where I'm going. That 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 was my first. Talk. So you okay, get well, out of the pool. Yeah, I your guess. wife
1: looks at you and she's like, "What's going on?"
2: Yeah, that that was exactly the, the, uh, what she she talked. Um Yes, I told her. Yes, uh, I got traded to Arizona Diamondback, and we was on chocolate. like, "Okay, Arizona." I know that I know that, uh, that they just they just uh, lost, lost the World, World Series, series. and right. uh, now I'm part of that thing. I was, you know, I was really happy. I understand that this game. I understand the business, and um, my thought was, okay, it's time, it's time to help the, to 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 win, to win the World Series, back to the World Series uh, winning this year. You you, uh, you you talk about it, it
0: it you've been around this game a while have you gotten to the point where you don't get that emotional when something like that happens, when you get treated, even though you're on holiday and it's Thanksgiving,
2: it sounds like you weren't like upset or bothered. Like, it's like, okay, that's part of the business, right? Yes. You know, you, you, I, I wasn't that, on that moment that I wasn't that, on that point in my career that uh, I know that something can happen to the tomorrow or yeah. today. And uh, I already know. And uh, you know, Obviously, uh, we got emotion because you know you don't want to leave the, the the city who who welcomed me um, with the open hands. You yeah. know, Seattle Seattle did a lot for me, and uh, uh, I mean, I, I got a a lot of friends from Seattle now the last year was fine and uh, but uh, at the same time I understand the business yeah. and you know I gotta, I gotta turn the pace real quick and uh, that was that was my thought.
0: We got to know your former Seattle teammate now your current teammate here with the Diamondbacks Paul Seawald, really well. We had him on the show a lot last year and I remember he tweeted out on put on social media after the trade. Oh Diamondbacks you're gonna love this guy. We love this guy. He big personality lot of fun. Great In a clubhouse, one of the key guys there. Do you feel like that's something that you bring to the table when you join a baseball team? Like, I'm, I, I, that you've got
2: that kind of comes with you? Yeah, I got that natural. You know, I try to be the best, uh, the best. Gino Suarez on the field, off the field, on the clubhouse. I always happy. I always smile. It doesn't matter what what happened the game. I always gonna be my best face. I mean, my best smile. And you know, I understand this game is so hard. So I gotta enjoy it a lot. And I've been around for a long time. And uh, now I understand it's not just be good on the field. You know, you gotta be good on the off the field, yeah. on the clubhouse. You know, you gotta be uh, more. Um, human beings you gotta you know like it, it, it's it, it, this game is so hard so you gotta enjoy it and I try for the last eight years I've been you know I got hard times but uh I, I, I at the same time I, I try to turn the pace real quick and be ready for the next day and always happy. Enjoy the moment, enjoy the, the talent that God gave it to me. That that's more important to me, you know. That that's why I always gonna be on the same on the same level. Yeah. Third base was a black hole for this team
1: last year. It was a real; they got very little production out of third base. They Had Evan Longoria, um, and it's you know he's a veteran. He gave a lot to the clubhouse, but it just it just didn't really work out uh, their platoon. You played 162 games last year. Like your durability, I mean that's impressive. Nobody plays
2: 162 games.
1: I doubt that Labello's going to let you play 162 this year. <laughs> he likes to rest guys. We
2: already had that conversation. You know, um, I like to play. I like to be in the on the field. I like to compete every day, and uh, I. Put my my body on shake, It's more important to me, you know. Be healthy and uh, you know, um, give my hundred percent every day on the field. Is is what I want to do for the team or for the fans. And and you know, and I already got that conversation with um, Tory And oh, what did he say? He said he's gonna be. I mean, he he, he think the same way. But we we're, we're gonna see how how the the season going. So I'm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I told him I'll be ready to play every day. So. Every time you need me, I' am gonna be there. And I go and I give you my hundred percent. So
1: what's gonna happen? The first day you get to the clubhouse at one fifteen, you go in, you walk into the club, you look at
2: the, you look at the, uh, the lineup, and you see you're not in the lineup. Um, he already see my face when he told me that, and uh, he told me like, yeah, you, see, I saw your face, and uh, okay, you know, um, I mean, I expect to be every day on the field, but he's the boss. He's, the, you know, he, he's the guy who who make the lineup, and I'm going to respect that moment. Yeah. i just telling him, like, hey, yeah, I'm going to be there 162 games plus the playoff and plus the World Series and everything. But if you need me, take a day off, I'm open too. But even on the day off, I'm going to be ready on the dugout for late, you know, late Fish pinch, hitting. you know, yeah. or defense, whatever the yeah. name, you know, that that's me.
0: Geno Suarez, our guest here on the Burns and Gamble Show for a few more minutes. New Diamondbacks third baseman. Um, You you do seem like a real positive guy. You got a lot of positive energy about you. I hate to ask you about this, but I know it's something you want to work on, and that's your strikeouts. And I read some comments from you over the offseason, knowing that that's, that's a number that you, you want to work on. How
2: are you going to work on that? How do you plan to attack that? This offseason and this spring training, maybe cut back on the case. I mean, like you say, I've been I've been working hard on the last few years. It's it been my problem. You know, it's not a secret. Everybody knows that. And, um, you know, I just tried to make it simple this year. try to see a ball longer than I can and try to pull a ball in play. I know that, that, that I had the ability to hit a ball hard all the way to the field but um, I just want to be more um, put a ball in play and it doesn't matter what the, uh, the ball going. That, that's that's going to be my goal this year. Um, I don't want to say that uh, uh, the strikeout is going to come down or up, whatever but uh, my goal is put a ball in play more this year. One of the things I think people don't
1: recognize is you actually walk quite a bit. Like, your walk rate's pretty high. You had like 70 walks. Yeah. So, for guys like high strikeout guys, they don't walk. You know, a
2: lot of people see the the strikeouts. Right, right. But see, I'm good vibes only. Yes, I love (laughs) that. I love that. (laughs) Oh, 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 here we go. He
1: he wants to hear all the strikeouts. Here we go. Yeah, I I know. I I I mean, (laughs) I'm saying that I'm looking at a walk rate that's pretty high. Usually, high strikeout guys don't walk a lot. But you, you. 70-something walks the last couple of years. Just tell me about that part of your game, about not, you know, your approach to the plate. And, if, you know, if, if they're going to put you on first base, you'll take it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, the thing is, I swim. You know, I swim the ball a lot. And, uh, but uh, I swim the good pitches, too. You know, like I say, that's why I might uh, be 70-plus uh, walk every year. But, um, you know, the, it's just put a ball in play. That's, that's my goal. You know, I, I just... I don't want to swing back pitch, but uh, sometimes you swing good pitches and they got a nasty pitch that I thought was a strike and, and I swing and I miss, that's why my strikeout go up. Oh, I got deep on the count and then I got a bottom for, for the, you know, see good pitches and they make an adjustment. That That's part of my game too, to try to make them work, uh, you know, for, I mean, take that, are uh, really good at bats and see what happened after that. Growing up in Venezuela, who were
1: who were your idols? Who did you look up to and say, "I want to be like that guy in the major leagues"?
2: I got two two players. One is uh, Marviskel. okay, from Omar Venezuela. Marviskel. Yeah. and uh, one of, for me is Dergiita, one of the the best uh, shortstop ever. And uh, I love I love the way he 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 played the game. He respect everybody. Everybody respects him. He got clean career and. um, that was my motto, you know, for, for being an uh, uh, MLB player. Good stuff, Gino. Great we appreciate stuff. you coming by. Thanks for your time. We know you held
0: you up a little bit. Uh, you want to get home, but, man, we appreciate the conversation. Thanks thank for the, you, guys. Thanks for for so Gino, thank you for
2: having me. Yeah, you guys, thank, thank you. you. Thank Gino you. Suarez, thank
0: our you. guest here on the Burns and Gambo show. Nothing made my day more than Gambo trying to make himself out to be the good <laughs> cop and be the bad cop. That absolutely made my day today. <laughs> That was fantastic. You know, I'm good vibes only over here, Gino. (laughs) I, I, don't know, his, I don't know. What, I don't know what's what's I read- Mr. Negative over here in, in Bernsey. He's he's such a stick in them. but Me, I'm me. Hey, I'm Mr.
1: Happy Go Lucky over here. I was reading a story about it. I think it came from Nelson Cruz. They had like a, in the clubhouse they had a thing that said "Good Vibes Only." Uh huh. There's like a neon neon light thing that says good, good, "Good
0: Vibes I'm Only." A, I'm going to remember uh, next time you go yeah. on one of your rants where you're yelling or screaming. <laughs> I'm going to come back at you. Hey, Gamble, Good Vibes Only, man. Good Vibes Only. Come on, come on. Well, was, don't let me totally, down. I was
1: totally ready to ask you about the 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 strikeouts and then you grabbed it, you know, but I was going to ask about the 200 plus strikeouts. He's very much like a, a Mark Reynolds type of player with that, you know, you, you know, good good defensively, um, home you know, uh, home run guy, uh, but high strikeouts. He but he, he played 162 games last year. He played 162. I know. That's it. He, you're right. Torrey's, he's not playing 162. He's not playing 162. 162.
0: Alright, when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, unless we have a Diamondbacks guest that I'm not aware of. No, it doesn't look like we do, but I think we're going to have uh, at least one more here on Burns and Gambo. We'll swing back to the top story of the day. We'll, we'll take a pause on the 4 o'clock reset. We'll tell you what Monty Austin Ford had to say at the scouting combine. That's next on the Burns and Gambo show.
1: Hey, it's Luke. After our first trip out to Salt River Fields this season, what's in store for the
0: D backs in 2024? We get going tomorrow at 10 a.m. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. right, welcome back. It's uh, the Burns and Gambo Show. Me, the bad guy. Gambo, Mr. Good Vibes Only here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Good
1: vibrations.
0: Uh I mean,
3: I don't necessarily love what just happened there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. I'll be whatever the show needs me to be. If you don't have the guts to ask Gino Suarez about his strikeouts, I'll do it. I'm just saying, I'll do it. I, if uh, I gotta be the guy,
1: I'll be the guy. You know, uh, that's fine.
0: I can wear that. I got no problem with that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. and <laughs> uh, backs backsluice today to the Rangers out here at Salt River Fields. We just wrapped up.
1: But what really, a, what a, a likable guy, I, though. Like, I just want to bring that. Like, I mean, I, we've never talked to him before. Um, what a likable guy! Very I can see so. why he's a. I could see why he's a clubhouse leader. Yeah, yeah, very
0: much so. I mean he he kind of he kind of had like a Danny vibe off of uh, Ted Lasso, right? A little bit like just oh yeah, yeah, really yeah. super upbeat, really Danny Rojas. Yeah, he was smiling the whole time. Yeah. Um, it was it was I. Like I said, Paul Seawald tweeted out, Oh man, we're, you're going to love this guy. You're going to absolutely, when they got him back yeah. in Thanksgiving, you're going to love this guy. You're and not going to like him when he goes, Oh, for four with three strikeouts.
1: Well, it's going to happen. Leaves
0: six on base. It's, it's going to happen. Um, but he does address what was a big time need for the Diamondbacks. There's no question
1: about that. I can't that. wait till he walks in the clubhouse and sees he's not a lineup in the fifth game of the season. <laughs>
0: well, because Lavello's like, Well. Yeah. Remember
1: the got to give you a breather. So
0: we're a weekend, Skip. The one thing about Torrey is he always makes sure he gives a guy a heads up like a game in advance. Like, hey, just letting you know. So it's not like yeah. he's going to know his name's not on the lineup. Card he though. already seeing my face when he told me that. <laughs> don't yeah. do it, Skip. Right. Tori, if you're listening right now, don't do it. Don't right. bench, him. Don't if bench he's, him. If he's
1: healthy for a full season, how many games does he play?
0: Assuming he's not injured? Assuming he's not injured. He's healthy all season. Put me down for
1: 153. Oh, I was going to say 152. 153. Okay. Ten 153. games off. Yeah. yeah, Ten Tori LaBella rest days. <laughs> That's how many
0: he'll play. Uh, today uh, was the scouting Combine's underway in Indianapolis. Today was the day that uh, Monty Austin, Fort, and Jonathan Gannon scheduled to meet with the media. They both did. Um, and in front of the national media, Told everybody exactly what they're going to do with the fourth and twenty seventh pick. It was great. You've never heard this before. No, in fact, I'm about to play the soundbite right here. He <laughs> reveals the entire Cardinals off season game plan in this 50 second soundbite. Uh, here it comes in three. No, he was asked if he's got any trade calls for number four.
3: No, I have not. I have not. If you guys hear anything, uh, come come let me know. So. No, I'm not surprised. No, we're sitting here at the end of February. we got we got a ways to go on that. I think everybody's still in the middle of their evaluation process. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of unknown right now um, about, again, somebody asked a question earlier about what's going to happen in front of us. I mean, we can... Sit here, somebody could say, Hey, I think I know what's going to happen. And nobody knows. Nobody knows. So, you know, I think those discussions, Josh, I, I think those happen more as we get closer to the draft into April. Um, you know, and I think that's what happened last year. Um, we didn't have a lot of discussions over um, our pick last year at this time. And even if we did, like, they would be so surface level that I don't think I could put any credence into them anyway. Um, so I'm sure those calls will come. And I mean, we're going to make our fair share calls too. I think last year we proved that we were more than willing to. Uh, to move up, to move back, uh, to stay put and pick. So, you know, I think those discussions will come a little bit further down the road.
0: It does seem a little early for the trade conversation question at this point? They're still free. Too early so to get through. You too know. early.
3: Too early. You know, you got to go
1: through the combine. You got to evaluate. You know every team wants to, to evaluate all the players put their board together and then say okay who, uh, who what what player do we really want to target if we're going to make a trade up but that stuff doesn't happen now they've got to get through the combine they've got to put their board together and if they fall in love with a player through the interviews of the combine and the film and everything and they want to move up that's that's when those calls will take yeah,
0: place. yeah he was the only specific player he was asked about at the combine was marvin harrison jr and as you expect he 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 did the thing. He said nice things about him, but also indicated that they had done a lot of extensive work on a lot of different players, not just Marvin Harris. Marvin's Jr. been a
3: great player. He's been a productive player here these last couple of years. Um, you know, it's a strong receiver draft. It is. And so there's, a, there's good players at the top of the draft. There's good depth throughout the mid-rounds. Um, you know, and so you can certainly put Marvin in that mix. And so, you know, really don't want to get into, like, an individual scouting report right now. All I can tell you is that, hey, like, we've done a lot of work on Marvin, just as we have the rest of the Draft and uh, you know excited to watch, continue to work him through the process here in the next couple months.
1: Only player he commented on, right? Only player he was asked he was the best about. Was, yeah, the only player he was asked about was Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, yeah, because everybody's tying Marvin Harrison Jr. to the Cardinals at four, so he'll probably get a lot of questions like that. I think the big question for me, I really do want to get. I want to and, qu- and a question I think he would answer when you were eval- when you were eval- evaluating skill position players like that. How much does the size factor in? Because there are differences in all three guys. Um, one of them, neighbors, is smaller, and Marvin Harrison and Junior is bigger, and then Adunze is kind of like in the middle. So I think a fair question—one he could give you, like, without saying, "I like this guy." Like, how? Just how do you evaluate that? There's, you know, obviously there's route running and there's skills, and uh, but like the size, like, how much is that a difference? Because this team has a 5'7 7 Rondale Moore, a five-seven Greg Dortch, a five. You know, nine, Hollywood Brown, we don't know if he's coming back or not. But you know what I'm saying? They don't yeah. have any size at the position. So I I mean that's something I'd like to find out about in his evaluation process with skill position players his size. Because he didn't draft you know, last year he drafted Michael Wilson, who's got some size at six too, but we haven't seen him really like you know, the first round pick was an offensive lineman. So it's gonna be interesting to see how he targets running backs and you know, wide receivers in the future. Now, first
0: up before the draft is free agency, and you know, Monty was on last week with Bickley Murata on Newsmakers Week, and and he kind of said, "Look, it's free agency is dangerous. That there's you, you overspend, and and you're not really sure what you're going to get. It's it's you, you take it this risks with players." Today, he was asked about it. He called it a challenge.
3: Free agency is is um you know it's a challenge every year. You know, I think it's it's um there's a couple components to it. It's it's understanding the evaluation of the player and evaluating the player how he fits our specific schemes, right? Um, but then take it a step further, there's a valuation of the player that uh, a marketplace goes into determining, you know, what the league values those players at. And so it's really twofold. It's the evaluation and the valuation in free agency. And so, you know, I think those are things that we're ongoing right now. We went through free agency meetings with the coaching staff last week. It um, was great to get their input. And, you know, I think that over the next couple weeks here, I think that the, the marketplace, really, once we get into that, that the legal tampering period, whatever that means. um, You know, I think, I think the market then starts to declare itself, And so then I think when you marry those things that if there's an evaluation that we like, and then the market says the value is a a place that we like, um, we're going to strike. And it's the value that I'm interested
0: in because a lot of the names that the Cardinals and you sent me a story today, linking the Arizona Cardinals potentially to Brian Burns. If he hits free agency and Josh Allen, not the quarterback, but the edge rusher, Josh Allen, if those two guys do yes, get to make free sure you make sure you Oh yeah, got to make sure to about that about cuz the
1: car we don't need the Cardinals sending out another you know. <laughs> our, no, we got, got our, our franchise tomorrow. quarterback. Did yes. you have a
0: reaction to that by the way?
1: Did you did you did you I didn't I mean I, I mean I was off yesterday yes. so I you know, I I was kind of wasn't ultra focused on it but I I mean I heard about it I didn't see it. I guess it was three photos of Kyla Murray. Yeah. The only thing that I I thought of was that there is some rumor going around about the Cardinals with a quarterback. I didn't know what the rumor was. Now, later on, there was something that came out about Bo Nix, that they were evaluating Bo Nix, and maybe that's why. But that would be the only reason to me why they would do something like that is there is some crazy rumor going around about the Cardinals and a quarterback, and they kind of want to squash it. Yeah, it, it was curious to say the least. And we talked about it a little bit yesterday,
0: but it was curious. Anyway, back to the point. Josh Allen, Brian Burns, uh, two price
1: free t- agencies. just t- t- Too expensive. Yeah. Good players, just so expensive. I just don't know how... You know, I just don't see them going like at this point going all in on one guy when we come back on burns and gambo is the league gonna move away
0: from all of these giant offensive nights in the nba and if so is that gonna hurt how the phoenix suns put their roster together we'll tell you what we think next on the burns and gambo show
1: hi it's vince morata Join us on Wednesday. We'll talk about the latest going on at the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis and what Jonathan Gannon and Monty Ford had to say about it, starting at 6 on Arizona (laughs) Sports, the local sports leader. All right, back here
0: on the Burns and Gambo Show. I'd still like to know what What all of that is all about. I I, I don't know.
1: It's Vince Murata. (laughs) Uh,
0: I don't don't know. I don't know what that's all about. Uh, Jerry Colangelo. On last week with on Newsmakers with uh, Bickley and Murata, and he was part of, and you referenced this earlier, several, several years ago when Jerry was still, I mean, he's prominent in the league, but he was like really prominent in the league. They kind of went to him and said, hey, our, our game has gotten stagnant. Our game has gotten boring. Um, it's too much defense, not enough offense. What do you think we should do? and Jerry put together some really smart basketball minds, and he
4: said we tried to fix it. I was pleased with the developments. What we didn't know or could have projected is how the three-point shot would become such a, I thought it would be a home run element. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a way to come back in the game when you're, you're, you're down. You know, the, the ball goes up, an opening tap, and someone comes down and shoots a 30-footer. That's it. That's it. So, that's you know, it. Yeah. yeah. Hey. So um, that part of it, I, I'm not happy with. You know, I wish there was more control over that.
0: And there's one more from Jerry on kind of the changes, you know, the high offense in the NBA and what it might mean.
4: Being in Indianapolis uh, for that weekend, although I didn't see any of the events, I uh, was busy with uh, things I had to do, press conference and uh, a breakfast meeting. Um I, I just think that uh, they have to take a hard look at the weekend mm-hmm. and really do more than tweaking it because I didn't like what I saw. Yeah. Right,
0: so that's him talking about the all-star break. But the first cut, he was talking about offenses in the NBA.
1: Yeah. I, I Just real quick, because the all-star game, I'm sure you talked about it yesterday. It's going to come to Phoenix in 2027. Yeah. Did you guys talk about, like, how different it may look? Oh, yeah. Oh, because we we're, it may be a lot different. We were trying to figure out, like, I mean, it's never a
0: bad thing to get an event like that, right? but given how widely criticized this last All-Star weekend was, I hope it looks vastly different. I I mean, I hope Adam Silver and his crew gets together and does something different with the weekend to make it better because, you know, I'm not going to say I don't want it. Certainly, I do want it to be here, but I—it's I, got to change. It can't be what it, it was. Look, a couple of weeks. It weekends. may
1: look a lot different. Yeah, it may look a lot different. Now, as far as the offenses are concerned, it, you know, players adapted. Like you put in this rule, and you can score three points, and they kind of figured out that like, if we take enough of these things, it, it's going to add up to a, a lot better than. And we hit thirty-five percent of them. It's going to be a lot better than if we hit a bunch of two pointers. So whatever they did they they didn't make the three point line far enough or they changed the rules defensively the offensive numbers this year are staggering in the league. I mean just look at the 60 point games, the 70 point games. I mean and the amount of an amount of scoring just in the league in general to the point where like they probably are going to look at what they could do to try to bring scoring down because it's just it's too much i mean i sent you a story today on all the numbers about like the, the shattering records and breaking records and the amount of points per game that these teams are putting up and it's not just the all star game we're talking about we're talking about regular season basketball games
0: yeah 73 from luca 70 from Embiid, 64 for Giannis, 62 for Booker, 60 for Carl Anthony Towns. Keep in mind some of these point totals. Like I know Booker's 62 uh it was in a loss. Carl Anthony Towns, 62 was in a loss. Steph Curry 60 was in a loss. Giannis had a 54 point night. Devin Booker had a 52 point night. The, the article in question kind of said, like, 70 is the new 50. Right. <laughs> right? Like, it used to be a big deal right. in the NBA when you score 50 in a game, and now it's like 70 is kind of the new 50 when it comes to, oh, my God, he had how many points? Yeah. And the problem is, and I thought this was a really – I saw the same story. I, I, I
1: didn't think much of it other than, okay, yeah, scoring's up. I thought about if they – what I thought about was if they change the rules, how's that going to affect the Phoenix Suns team that was built on offense? The Suns built this team based on the current rules. If they change the rules, which obviously they're looking at, I mean, they even in the article it even says um, that Joe Dumar is the league's executive vice president and head of basketball operations, they are reviewing whether the game is tilted too far offensively and what they can do to change it.
0: And, and I I didn't think of that, and I'm glad you did. Here's my response to that. I Certainly it would affect the Suns because the Suns were built to run offense, not defense. There's no doubt about that. Right. What is one of my top complaints about the Phoenix Suns? Turnovers? It's, well, that. But on they, don't offense, shoot they don't shoot enough threes. 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 Uh-huh. And so I wonder if rule changes that might come down in the NBA are aimed more for teams like that, that maybe it wouldn't hurt the Suns as much as we think because the Suns aren't going bombs away from three every single night. They took 40 the other day against the Lakers, and it was like a revelation. It was like I I didn't even know they knew how to take that many three-pointers in a game. We always talk about they need to take more. They need to take more. They need to take more. I think because they don't take that many, if they were to change the game somehow – I don't know if it would impact the Suns team that really relies more on this mid-range jump shot. Now, mid, sometimes to their detriment, honestly, sometimes it's like too many. I, you and I, it was a math game. Yeah, you and I were both reading a story today about the Suns and said, "Man, they take an awful lot of long twos. It would sure be better if they just made took threes instead of all these long twos that they're taking." There are
1: two, there are two things in in the the column about the the scoring that really stood out to me it says the league's record for effective field goal percentage that counts threes as 1.5 field goals to reflect their added value has been broken in eight of the past nine seasons and it also says and, and this is interesting turnovers turnovers which we talk about the suns a lot with turnovers 13.4 per game across the nba this season lowest rate since they started tracking it in 1970 we talk a lot about the sun's turning the ball over a lot, but around the league, the turnover, this is the game's better, the players are better. Well, the, play, the players the players are just better.
0: It's also hard to turn the ball over. When you're jacking up a three-pointer with 18 seconds to go on the shot clock, it's true, right? It's true. You don't have time to turn the ball over. I'm yeah. dribbling it down, and if I'm lucky, there's one right. pass, and I'm just jacking it up. It's a lot easier
1: to turn the ball over when you're trying to pound it inside to so yes. David Robinson, yes. Tim Duncan, Hakeem Olajuwon, Patrick Ewing, Shaquille O'Neal, and you're trying to get the ball to you know these big centers who are you know in the paint trying to score, and you know you've got two defenders on them and they're tapping balls away for a turnover. You don't get those. Now. I'll be curious to see how much of a reaction over
0: reaction there is by the nba this offseason to to limit the offense because it does it does feel like in some of these regular season games it out of control maybe that's a little strong but a little too much where we'd like to see the pendulum swing back a little bit, maybe. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, one of the key guys during the run in the postseason is going to join us next as we're live from Salt River Fields. Andrew Sulfrank going to join us here from our broadcast spot at the D-Back Spring Home. That's coming up next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Spring training coverage presented by Kona Big Wave. D-Back Spring Training, live from Salt River Fields at Talking Stick. Burns and Gambo on Arizona Sports 98 in the Arizona Sports app. All right, we are live from Salt River Fields here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Diamondbacks lost earlier today to the Texas Rangers in Cactus League action. It's always a pleasure to be out here because we get to go face-to-face with a lot of the Diamondbacks players. And our next guest, somebody who joined us at least once last year there might have been a second time too if i remember right i'm talking about lefty reliever andrew solfrank who joins us face to face person to person good to see you good to finally you know make the connection face to face thanks for stopping by we appreciate
5: it yeah it's a pleasure to be here and pleasure to put put a face with the names like you said yeah what a remarkable season for you i mean do you pinch yourself afterwards i mean you started in what double a amarillo yeah and double. the next
1: thing you know you're 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 september you're, you're pitching big games and then you're
5: pitching in the playoffs i mean from double a to pitching in the world series what was that like yeah it's funny you mentioned that i was actually talking about that today with a couple of the guys just last year was a dream Uh, a dream come true Um, to start there i think you know obviously it's your goal to make it up by the end of the year but for it to actually happen and you know it's kind of happen how it did i think was pretty pretty incredible and just as a baseball player and as a fan of the game i think like you said, just you, you just sit there and you pinch yourself. You get Season to uh, yeah. be like it's almost like a blur, right? Yeah, like I, it I, didn't happen. I still don't think it's it's really hit me. Um, kind of what happened last year. So uh, what guy, what guys were you talking to? Like younger guys that are trying to make the club,
1: or guys that were already here?
5: Yeah, I, a little bit of both. Today specifically was uh, Austin Pope. Shout out Austin. Um, <laughs> came up with me. We we played a lot together. Kind of coming up through the system, and and his shots coming. Uh, so it's cool for him to you know watch watch him progress and to you know. Yeah. Just be able to share the memories, kind of, with him today. I think I was just like speaking out loud, almost, and you know, and kind of realizing what happened last year. And it, you just get kind of caught up in the moment sometimes, and it's like, man, like I was telling him today, I, I still get nervous for, for spring training games, but the World Series honestly felt a little less stressful than I think right now, which is kind of crazy to say, oh, but uh, I got to know how, how, how is how is this, you know, pitching in front of. A
0: uh, couple thousand, a couple thousand yeah. people. You know how? How is? The,
5: you, you, please tell me how that's more stressful for you than pitching in the World Series. I think right now I feel like I'm more or less pitching for for a spot on the okay. team. Yeah, and I think last year just obviously you're on the roster for the series, right? So you're not necessarily worried about pitching for a spot. Just going out there and, and worried about the job at hand, and and you know getting the outs. And I think at in the World Series it was so focused on just like going in and getting your job done. That there was really no time to think Uh, and I think now there's all sorts of time to think you know (laughs) and so I think maybe that's why I get get a little nervous Uh, I've always said that nerves are good and if you're not getting nervous you know it's probably a little concerning which you know now that I'm mentioning the World Series thing, it's like well maybe but I think adrenaline just took over and you you hear about a a lot about guys like blacking out uh, in the moment and I think that's what it was. I think that's why it still hasn't really hit me. What kind of happened during the playoffs? I think it just was all such a blur. Uh, Just like I said, living the dream, and you know, with the guys that we had to to welcome me in. And uh, after Philly, after uh, you know, I struggled against Philly. It was cool because Seawald was in the in the hot tubs with me, and I was trying to hide from everybody. And (laughs) he's like, "Hey, man, like we're gonna need you, you know, moving forward." and And ultimately, who's right? Uh, You know, we ended up winning that series. But you guys won that game against the one struggle you had against Philly. You guys won that game. (laughs) The three struggles I had against Philly. Yeah, uh, it's tough. I'm harder on myself than anyone else is, obviously. Um, But but we have a great group of guys that went out there and picked me up, and you know, just trying to be ready to pick the other guys up when that time comes. When was there a Andrew Sal Frank joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show?
0: Was there a moment where the confidence switch flipped? And you're like, oh yeah, I'm I'm gonna be a part. I, I am a part of this. I am an important part of this because you were a very important piece of the equation for most of the October run. Was there a moment regular season or during the postseason where you kind of the confidence switch flipped on and you're like, yeah, I belong. I've got a spot here in all of
5: this. Yeah. You, you guys must have been listening to our conversation in the bullpen today. Yeah. Um, We've got it bugged. I think my, my debut is like the most nerve wracking I've probably really ever been uh, in my life in baseball. Uh, and then after that, I think that like kind of you're, you're talking about the moment of like I belong, I think was against Chicago. I don't remember the situation. Just another blackout event, right? Um, don't really remember the situation, but I just remember like coming out of the bullpen. and It's like the lights hit you, and, and that was the first time I was really like, "Man, the lights really are brighter." Uh-huh. Um, and so that was super cool, just as a kid, you know, kind of coming up through the the ranks of baseball to you know be able to experience that and like actually like have a, a moment where it's like, "Wow, this is you know this is awesome." Uh-huh. Uh, and then I went out there and I don't remember what the situation was. Got out of it. Um, and I, I just you don't well, remember this, yeah. No, no, <laughs> you pitched no.
1: in ten games in the regular season. You yeah. should remember every one of them, like and
5: I should, yeah. You but, should,
1: right? Uh, it's all like you pitched in forty games. Yeah,
5: I think just coming off the field, and it's just like you just you're out of the game, and everything. comes, you know, you finally come back down yeah. to earth, and it's yeah. like that just happened, you know. And I think that was the first moment for me where I was really like, I, you know, I feel like I belong here. You know, you got some some dudes out, you know, between the first couple outings and. I think, it's big, I think that's a big point in everyone's career. You're always going to hit that point, and then I think f- from then on forward, you know, you feel a little bit more comfortable. I mean, you were in New York
1: against the Mets. You were in New York against the Yankees. You pitched in 10 regular season. You didn't give up a run. Like, when you got to the end of the season, you're like, yeah, my ERA is 0.00. I mean, it had to be something pretty special. Like, oh, my God, I just got this opportunity, and I took full advantage of it. I pitched in 10 games. I didn't give up one single run. Yeah. No, I, I should have given up.
5: More than zero. But you but, didn't. Yeah, I know. I, you know, you got Thompson and Ginkle and all those guys behind you. You yeah. kind of bailed me out a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, you know, you look at the baseball card, it says zero. It's just a pretty cool feeling. Again, like as a kid, I, I kind of view everything like as a kid and and stuff like that. So, you know, pretty, pretty unreal situation that, you know, I went through and super fortunate. Did you
1: feel at any point in the season with, you know, Chapin obviously struggling. Man supply being injured. They move on from Chapin. You looking at the lefty situation when you're in the minors? Are you looking at it and saying I might be able to get an opportunity here this year?
5: Yeah, I think so. I think it's just as a minor league guy, I think you just do everything you can to put yourself in a position to be that next guy, right? Like there's so many things that go in on the back end of, of baseball and the politics of everything, and get on the 40 man and all that stuff. It's it's so difficult, and you know, I actually was told some things, and it's like, all right, like, I'm, I feel like I'm close, you know, and just kind of waiting for that one situation to come up, and fortunately for me, it did, and, you know, super, you know, the biggest blessing of my life, right, you know, to get that opportunity and just try to make try to make the most of it and run with it and just put my best foot forward. Uh, Andrew Saul, Frank, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. I
0: do remember from the first time we had you on, and you probably know where I'm going with this, are you still... The, 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 the middle-of-the-game snack, remind me, <laughs> remind us what that Because I, I was trying to look through my notes to find it, and I couldn't find it. So I'm just going to ask you, you. You had some unusual middle-of-the-game snack routine. Do you still have it? What was it? Have you altered it? Go.
5: Rice Krispies and Red Bull. That's that's the key that's right it, there. Right yeah. there. Um, okay. Every game last year. Every single game, I ate the same thing before every single game: a little peanut butter and jelly and banana sandwich. The first couple series, Paul was like, "Dude, you know you're in the big leagues now, right?" <laughs> and, and like I'm sitting there making my own sandwich, and I don't know. For me, it's not necessarily superstition; just I'm super sensitive stomach, you know, and know what works for me. Uh, f- I felt good out there. Peanut, so Peanut so why butter, stop
0: it? jelly, banana. Yep. Yeah. And then in the middle of the game,
5: a Rice Krispie treat and Red Bull. Yep. I think it was Rice Krispie in the third, Red Bull in the fifth, and then once I got up, you had to and, alter it a little bit, you know. And that doesn't bother your stomach?
0: Here <laughs> <laughs> you describe he it bothers your stomach. Yeah, no I know, but like man, that just sounds like a, like those Rice Krispies are going to be popping in there yeah. when you throw the Red Bull in I, there. I think I just
5: them. ate so many and drank so many Red Bulls <laughs> that my, maybe I just became acclimated, to, you know, putting that in. But it works. I can't can't argue. And with you'll always might.
0: have it. That's that's always yeah. going to be yeah, your Team, team provided, which is sick.
5: Doesn't have, doesn't have to come out of the the bank <laughs> you of account. You bring
1: a container of peanut
5: butter to work every day. That's true I do. I, I do. It's, it's, you've got a, it's yeah.
1: a container of peanut butter. With to a get. spoon right, right out of the right jar. Of this, yeah, you know, it, you're just like me.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. it's when Gambo stresses me out. I go right to the peanut butter sure. and I just... It's, there you go. Oh, uh, yeah. It's what gets me through. <laughs>
1: Let me... Uh, strikeout ground ball guy. That, that's your forte. Strikeout yeah. ground. What are, you, what are you working on? What are you trying to do? You know, the Major League hitters adjust. They've got... Film on you. They know you now. They didn't last year. How do you
5: get ahead of them? What can you change in your routine? Yeah, I think uh, last year, throughout the year, even, you can see teams adjust in, in such a short amount of time. Really? Um, for me, it was just like getting ahead and, and filling up the zone. Um, t- towards the end of the year, like teams started just kind of waiting me out, waiting me out. Phillies did it the, the best out of anybody. Just kind of let me dig my own grave a little bit. Um, so for this year, going into spring, I think the key uh, amongst everybody, we're on the same page, which is cool. Uh, just fill up the zone, you know, and, and, you know, make them beat me versus beating myself, and there's been a couple pitches in the last couple outings today, you know, 0-2 breaking ball, just left it over the plate, hit off the wall, and then the other day, I think it was 2-2 breaking ball over the plate, hit it out, so Okay, but 0-2, and, and you've got some – you you can maneuver there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't today, need to throw yeah. anything over today the Today was a bad pitch, yeah. T- I mean, the other day it wasn't, you know, the worst pitch, but could definitely be better. So, for me, it's like try and get in the zone because I know I'm always capable of getting back out of the zone. So, it's just a matter of, you know, making sure that I can, you know – claim the zone as mine early on and then kind of go off from there. Yeah,
0: Good stuff, Andrew. We appreciate the conversation. Nice to meet you face-to-face yeah. after the conversation's on the phone. We appreciate yeah. you coming by for a few. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you guys for having appreciate me. It. Appreciate Andrew it. Andrew our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. And good luck with the rest of the spring and how everything goes. Yeah, we, yeah. we appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I
5: appreciate it. Thank you. When
0: we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show live from Salt River Fields, the wide receivers are the topic of conversation at the Scouting Combine in particular. Whether the guy that everybody thinks is the best in this year's wide receiver class, is there a chance he's not the one who goes first among the wide receivers? That's next to the Burns and Gambo Show.